Welcome to another episode of Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast. Just uh, reminding you guys to please go to the Facebook page. You can find me on there. I'm tagging it all over the place. Please like the page, and if you can share anything, if you can share an episode, this one especially, I think uh, everyone's going to love this one. It was a big one. Uh, but if you can get on there and follow me on social media, find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all of that stuff. I'm on Podbean, iTunes, uh Stitcher Radio, Google Play Store. You can get the podcast many different ways. Uh, I really appreciate everybody listening and sharing the podcast and just helping it grow. It's grown immensely in the three months I've been doing it. This was a big one for me. I went to 18th Street Brewing in Hammond, Indiana, their Hammond location, and I sat down for an hour and a half with one of the baddest dudes I've ever met, uh, Drew Fox. Um, He was more than generous and more than kind with his time and his stories and you know we had lunch together afterwards i mean just as good a host as i could have ever asked for he's got a lot of things going on uh i'll let you uh hear it from him what a great storyteller a guy who can carry an interview all by himself uh i cannot say enough about uh everything i experienced at 18th street from touring this place to sitting down and eating the food and and the atmosphere and seeing that giant patio and talking about what the future is going to hold between um you know, the Gary location, the the Hammond location, Sour Note, and uh, the distillery plans coming in the future. What a great guy and a great spot. So uh, without further ado, here's Drew Fox from 18th Street Brewing. Founder, president, and overlord. What's up? Welcome to another episode of Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast. Today, I am sitting in for my first time in the 18th Street Tap Room in Hammond, Indiana, and I am joined by uh, somebody you guys all probably know if you listen to this show, Drew. Drew Fox, say hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Drew's kind enough to give me some time on his uh, Saturday morning here to talk a little beer with him and talk about this great space here in Hammond. Uh, How long have you guys been open in this spot then? Um, It's going to be about two and a half years now. It still seems like uh, yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) And you were just telling me size-wise before we started. Tell, tell everybody, how, how large is this facility? The uh, the building itself is uh, 32,000 square feet. Um, the patio is 7,000 square feet. So total 37,000 square feet. That outdoor area is, uh, is stunning. I mean, I don't, does anyone else have anything close to that uh, um, when it comes to outdoor? Outdoor space as far as, uh, you know, green space and a patio space, um, not, that, not this size. Um, in Northwest Indiana, but uh, I know uh, our, our good friends down the road, three floors, are working on their uh, beautiful patio space. I may have seen some here, mock-ups so for that. Yeah, that yeah, insane. I'm excited about it. That's I mean, crazy. the more the more the merrier. It's good to have people outside in the environment instead of in a stuffy building when it's beautiful outside. So yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, and I mean for you guys, you know, you were saying before that you know, you guys are north, they're they're to the south. You kind of have your little areas of Indiana, but like. Isn't that great for both of you? When absolutely. Something like that goes up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, I mean, we're really good friends with those guys. Um, I have a lot of respect for, um, you know, Bogus and uh, Nick Floyd, um, and it's a great communal relationship that we have uh, with each other. So it's, you know, we're right off the expressway. I mean, they're down the road off the expressway, so it's going to work out well for, you know, both of our breweries being destination breweries as they already are. 
Oh, it's crazy too, because Northwest Indiana, it's, it's yours. I mean, it's all your guys. It's it's, it's crazy because that whole state. I mean, you can go all down south to what, Indianapolis, and the next thing you get to is like what Sun King, maybe. Like, yeah, Sun King. You guys just yeah. dominate. But but we're here to get uh, the 18th Street story. Yeah. I mean, I was really interested. I've talked to a bunch of people and brewers that, that have mentioned you and, and kind of uh, listened and read some things for myself. But uh, what kind of drove you here? I mean, where did, where did it all start for you? Drove me here to Hammond or drove <laughs> 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 to beer? I mean, to beer. What, how did you get here? Um, I, I had worked in um, hospitality and hotels for, you know, a good part of 20 years. Um, started out in high school um, as a banquet houseman. Um, and then I worked um, at the Swiss Hotel um, and they had a it was owned by Swiss with Swiss Air at that time and it had flight benefits where you can fly pretty much anywhere in the world for 50 bucks and um, so I took advantage wow. of that <laughs> Wow! so I went to Belgium and I spent uh, you know a couple of weeks in Belgium Bruges Ghent, um, and that's where I you know kind of fell in love with the styles of beers uh, there, um, a lot of Belgian beers, um, Hefeweizens, um, and just came home and said, hey, at some point I want to make a run at this. And so, you know, through the years working in the hotel, I had started developing some relationships with distributors and beer, and I believe it was Summit Beer Company at that time uh, that we were carrying, um, and then I believe Blue Moon was around the same thing, same time of that summit was around so um and that's pretty much all that was available and you'd have to drive to get three floyds at the time as well and i lived um in indiana at the time so um well chicago then then indiana um but i just fell in love with it i said uh how am i going to be to do this and and still have a corporate douchebag job (laughs) so i started homebrewing i started homebrewing um as much as i could um, I went out and bought this elaborate brew magic system um, uh, and started brewing every weekend. Like how, how elaborate was, was your home? It was elaborate enough where everything was kind of automated for you. Um, really? you had that was the first thing you brewed on? No, oh, shit, okay. no. Oh, I, I did. My bad. I did uh, the old igloo cooler yeah, uh, that, thing. That, so you could do like yeah. all grain. All and grain and carboys and stuff. Um, that worked out. And then I was like, you know, this is becoming more work than I want it to be. Um, what kind of stuff were you brewing then? Like the first, the first. The first beer I brewed was a an American wheat ale, um, and it was horrible. It smelled like. <laughs> my ass. first one is in my kegerator right now. It's like, eh, yeah, it's, just don't don't do I'm it. Still drinking it, but it's <laughs> like, yeah. Um, American wheat ale, and then I moved on to an amber ale, and because um, that was, you know, I, I did like the amber ales back then. And uh, about what time frame is this? Shit, 2008. Uh, yeah, I mean, like 2008, 2009 ish. So, um, and I just dedicated my weekends to brewing. And sometimes I would just call off from work and say, Hey, you know, I'm not coming in, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm not feeling well today. That's good <laughs> advice, no. yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I, I really just enjoyed the smell of the hops and just really, um, the barley and it, it really got me excited to see the end result uh, what was going to come out of that carboy or that corny keg so uh, it was a lot of fun doing that the anticipation's crazy right just, just yeah. waiting for absolutely it. Like, you, on, you, on. patience back then was I, I didn't have any patience and 
and to some extent I still don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. So so then you're saying you 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 upgraded to this this uh, kind of semi automated automated yeah, system. Yeah, Brewmagic. I I was watching this system on like a what seemed like an infomercial or something, and um, and uh, uh, I was like, man, this is really cool. I think it was like six grand or something, and I was like, man, this would be really cool. So. I saved a little bit of money. Grand. Yeah, I saved a little bit of money, and at you know, at the time I had asked my wife, I was like, "Hey, I want to invest six thousand of our of our money into getting a system that is uh, probably not going to do much for us, um, besides just allow us to drink beer in the backyard." Um, but I, it was great. It was it helped me get some recipe formulations down a little bit more consistent, um, and uh, I started stockpiling all this beer. And I'm like, "What the hell am I going to do with this beer?" Um, drank most of it and then gave most of it away um, and and just kept doing that for as long as I could and then like right around end of two, 2009 um, I knew I wanted to d- take it get more serious with it um, just didn't know how to do it so um, I started researching um, what was happening in the craft beer scene at the time you just like how do I get in this? Where, so, so where'd you start? I mean, how did you? How did you? Was it that your ties to the hospitality industry, like that you were like, okay, I can start talking to these people, these people, and start building kind of a knowledge and base? And it was that, and, and drinking a lot of beer. Um, yeah. Said I, I had, uh, I lived in Gary at the time, and um, you know, I was trying to figure out where I was going to drink beer at, and I was like, oh wait a minute, Three Points is not too far away, so I would take my get my kids up and. You know, on a weekend, and we go to Three Floyds, and um, you know, they have lunch, and I drink beer, and and just immerse myself in the culture. And then at that time, um, there was Goose Island as well. So I was at Goose Island, and um, Half Acre was just starting to come around the corner, and then Rev. Um, so I just kind of just stuck my nose into each of those environments as much as I could. And um, at that time, I was—I mean, most people might not know—but I was a really and I was a really shy person. I didn't really know how to approach people about, hey, can I go see your brewery? Um, hey, can you answer my question? Um, so I just did a lot of reading. And then um, I, I saw uh, um, someone had mentioned Pipeworks was doing a Kickstarter campaign. And uh, I said, hey, let me see what's going on with these guys. They're opening a brewery in my own neighborhood. And uh, just kind of followed them online. And um, was really impressed with what they were doing, with the little they had, um, and so I think I sent Garrett a. It was a Facebook message, and I said, "Hey, if you guys ever need help packaging or something like that, I can come out, and hang out with you guys, and do that." And just we tried to make it work, but it just you know it was, I kept getting called uh, to work and just never could do it. And so finally, I just said, "Fuck this! I'm gonna take a vacation," and and, and so I did it and, and hung out with those guys, and it was a lot of fun. Was it like instant? You knew so when you started like just packaging and helping out. You're like, yeah, I kind of want to be a part of this. Yeah, then, yeah. Um, and I just remember like, all right. At that time, TTB was a pain in the ass to deal with paperwork wise, and so I was like, well, you know, I'll, put, I'll submit the paperwork and I'll do it. So me and my cousin Jermaine, I had a carport that was a concrete carport, and he was a, a builder. Let's say, hey man, I'm thinking about building this little, you know, microbrewery. And, behind my house and he's like yeah that's kind of a cool idea and so we did it we built it over it took us a couple months to build it and put the brew magic in there and i filed for my ttp paperwork and took forever and they 
federally approved brewery behind my house in 20, 2010. What, what did that space look like? It was really raw. It was like a garage. It was pretty much a garage that we built and had running water and... Um, did you, you just know. put walls around the carport, or yeah, we built. I mean, we we essentially built a garage, basically. That's what we did. Um, had windows, and it, it was cool. It was clean. It was, you know, it kept me out of the cold. It was, you know, in the summertime, it was away from being away from the heat. So it, it was a cool spot. And so I would just brew every weekend as much as I could. How long did you sit in that space for then? Um, until literally like 20, 2013. I, I I used it. Right up until that point. And you were brewing beer. Were you just packaging it and it's, were you I, selling it at all? No, I just gave it away. I mean, I gave it away. I I uh, met um Did people dudes. think you were insane? Like, you're just yeah, brewing yeah. beer and giving it away? Because yeah. it costs money to make it. Yeah. And you're building well, this car, you know, this garage. Yeah. And I had a little bit of system. money back then to, to do things. Oh, cool. And, so cool. Not much, but a little bit. That hospitality industry? Yeah, yeah. that the hospitality money. <laughs> um, but... Um, uh, uh, two brothers who owned a cigar shop in Chicago at the time was called Tessa Cigars. It was on Lake Street, kind of right in the heart of where Randolph Restaurant Row is. Um, so Chris uh, Kelly, um, who was the owner of Tessa Cigar, and his brother, um, I went in one day, my, my friend, Anselmo was like, hey, let's go smoke cigars. And he's like, yeah, by the way, they're looking for people to like come in and pour beer on their events. And I was like, all right. And so um, I said, like, hey, man, I'm willing to pour beer for free. I'm like, I got tons of beer. And they're like, yeah, you really do that? I'm like, yeah. And so they dedicated every other Thursday. I could go in and, and pour. Your beer. Yeah, Your pour beer. my beer for free. That's give it away. Uh, <laughs> um, that's a great business model. Yeah, yeah. It it, it was kind of short-lived. <laughs> when you're doing that at 18th Street here. Yeah, yeah. I, no, no, I can never do that. But So I did that for, you know, um, you know, four months, and I was gracious because I met a lot of people there. Uh, most of the people that went to that cigar, cigar shop were um, investment bankers, uh, people who worked at the Mercantile Exchange. High-end clientele. High-end clientele. Um, you know, basketball, football stars. Um, and so it kind of exposed me to that level of people. You remember any of them that came in? Um, I, I do, but I won't say that. Okay, I mean, that's, yeah, I that's think, perfectly yeah. respectable. Yeah. So so you're, you're just pouring this beer. So you said it was short-lived, though. It just I got busy. I, I, got, a, I got hired at Pipeworks. I was one of their first brewers um, that they hired. And so I was um, working a full-time job and working part-time there. Um and then just you know trying to keep up with home life as well. So, and those uh, days though, when you were slinging free beer uh, at this at this place, you're you're also building relationships, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're networking and you're. Right. Now, did that tie in at all to Pipeworks, or was Pipeworks a completely separate piece? Like I think it tied into Pipeworks. Cause I mean, I at that time I was working at Pipeworks, and so it was nice to get some knowledge from the BJ and Garrett on like recipe formulation and beers and. I think uh, it was kind of cool because, you know, those guys are brutally honest. Um, yeah. You know, BJ was brutally honest you need about that doing though, things. Right? I, I, at the time, I didn't understand it. I, uh, at the time, I took some of that stuff kind of personal. I was like, ah, oh, what do you know? It's like, you were a homebrewer once too. But um, it, it was great because it was like, hey, here's how you write a double IPA. Here's how you, here's how it should taste and what it should look like. So um, it was great to have that knowledge um, for, you know, for quite a bit of period of time just to learn so 
is it right to think that, that the guys at Pipeworks, uh, they're kind of like, uh, they've helped a lot of people along, right? They've kind of given people starts and... Is that basically where you would attribute where you started? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, pretty important. You know, I worked there for you know two years. Um, so, you know, going from packaging and then going to um, you know making wort and then cellaring, um, it was a lot of things you learned on the cuff and on the fly because I was learning as they were learning. Um, so that was good to get in at that point. And then you know working with um, you know Brad over at Spifo side by side with him at Pipeworks together as well. So. It was good. It was a, a lot of knowledge that I don't think we ever would have gotten um, if we didn't, uh, you know, put time in at Pipeworks. Now, even recently, though, the, those relationships you're talking about, this is almost towards your beginnings, but just recently you guys did like a major collaboration with a bunch of people, right? It was like Dark Matter and you guys and Three Floyds, right? Like, so yeah. all these relationships still kind of exist now. Currently. Absolutely. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I won't fret about it. I don't think... Uh, I value those relationships. I think they've been important to our growth. Um, but those friendships are always important as well. Um, you know, most of those people will be brutally honest with you if something's wrong or um, very vocal. And I do respect their opinion uh, because I'm not the end-all, be-all. I don't have all the answers. And it's nice. I just saw Gabe at Half Acre, um, uh, from Half Acre in Iceland, um, you know, last week. And we got a chance to chat. And it's always good to see those faces and just kind of remember uh how we've all started and kind of evolved what's going on in iceland right now you were there <laughs> you, and then you said he gabe was there gabe was and there then, uh, chris betts was just chris, there i think this week from transition um, was there like an Black event Project. or are you guys just all like going it's there? the uh, icelandic beer fest um they did it uh last year and, and this year uh, maybe three years in a row and so they invited a handful of American breweries down, as well as you know some European breweries down. So um, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's not really a big craft beer scene out there, uh, but it was fun to see people take notice of what we're doing and so kind of brought fun. beer. You brought you guys we, all brought we beer. We brought beer. Then. We poured uh, two sessions or three sessions. Um, it was like three-hour sessions um, per day. What were it was you a great time. Um, we took shift reversal, which is an American lager. Okay. Um, which was great because no one else brought a lager. That's awesome. <laughs> People were like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, and then we took... All the brewers uh, were probably coming to you. They all absolutely the were. were. Like, oh, absolutely. Thank God. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we took down Hunter and then Imperial Blood, and we took down one of our double Killer. drop hops. I can't think of which one we took down. Nice. Uh, maybe been number two pencil, I think. So. Oh, yeah. that's That, that was pretty new, right? I, I saw yep. that recently. You guys canned that up. Yeah. I didn't mean to distract you from your actual, uh, you know, kind of origin story, oh. but but I I wanted to tie that in because you were talking about you know them recognizing you guys and you're talking about Iceland, mm. not not you know, down the like another state. But um, I recently saw something. You guys have some stuff going on in London too, where they're putting some of your beers on yeah. tap. Yeah. Um. Um. The I met some of the Brewdog folks in Sweden. Uh, maybe last year, and then, you know, they're talking about doing tap takeovers and things like that, and we were just under heavy renovation in this building. We really couldn't commit to doing anything, and then one of their uh, importers reached out to us and said, hey, have you guys given us any thought? Are you guys interested? Um, and I said, uh, sure, why not? You know, let's let's uh, see if we can make this happen. So, um, you know, we, we've something the freshest beer possible because that's a long journey um there but we thought it was a good way for us to always you know look at new markets but also i think it's important that 
Um, we're still a young brewery, and people still don't know who 18th Street Brewery is, even in our own state. And so it was kind of good to, again, have some someone recognize you from halfway around the world to, hey, um, you guys make awesome beer, and we, we like to serve it at uh, our tap room. So it was cool. So how many are you sending over there? Just a couple different types? Six different? Uh, I think we sent like four core beers and one specialty beer. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be mind-blowing, though, to, to think that somebody halfway across the world is pulling a tap, uh, you know, a tap handle with, with your guys' beer coming out of it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's again, we, we're still small, so um, it, we really appreciate it. And it's, it, for us, it's, it's a very, um, you know, people say, you know, humbling. It, it is a very humbling experience for, experience for us because, you know, um, it's always appreciated when people notice what you do and, and, and care about what you're doing. So going back to, to the come-up story, I guess. So you're, you're going from uh, from Pipeworks and you're, you're kind of, I don't know, would you call yourself like part-time you were working with them? Or you no, just kind helping out I, when you could? Like I was there originally working part-time um, because, you know, they were still growing. They didn't really, they couldn't commit to a full-time position. And um, they got busy. I mean, busier than I think they even expected. Um, and I just really wanted to be a part of what they were doing. I really enjoyed working, you know, with them. Um, they make so they make some amazing beer. Absolutely, I mean, anybody in the Chicago yep. area has definitely crushed a, a yep. pipe works or two in their day. So I just made a decision that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this full time and really immerse myself in what's going on. Because doing it part time, you forget things, and you know it's kind of hard to regear yourself back up and to go, you know, to work at a brewery from, you know, working in a you know a, a four star hotel. So it was kind of hard. Um, and I said, sure, I'll, I'll take it on full time. Yeah. How how did you prepare yourself mentally for that? Was it like a struggle? Like I got I got to cut the ties with the corporate bullshit and go, or or was it like just a long time of just mulling it over and and slowly like weaning yourself off of that corporate life? Um, I don't know if it was weaning myself off. I mean, I I you know I knew at some point that I wanted to leave, and I I really hated uh, hated my job. I, you know, I hated just, you know, uh, putting a suit on every day and putting a tie on and shaving every day. Um, but I, I, I knew that uh, what was happening in the craft beer movement at the time, you know, 2012 and 2013 was something pretty special. And if I didn't take the opportunity to be a part of it, then I would regret not doing it and, and being like, well, I should have, could have, would have. And my should have, could have, would have was that was that was my time to, to do it. Were you taking advice or, or asking, or were you just kind of doing this yourself, like mentally yourself? Were you sharing your thoughts? I know you said you were kind of shy previously. That yeah. just, were you kind of like asking Garrett, the guys at Pipeworks, or like, you know, I don't know if you had a relationship with Floyd's at all? But um, You know, I didn't, you know, I, I'd <laughs> I had a few people tell me you're stupid to leave, you know, a good-paying job to go to go work in the brewing industry at the time was not really a high-paying job. Um, you know, I talked to... Um, you know, a handful of people who thought it was a wrong decision um, because my kids were pretty young um, and in private school at the time. So um, I'm not living having that right now. This yeah, is, is <laughs> private school, young children. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. So not really having that that fortitude of having that income. So it was it was a struggle. Nothing was easy about it at all. Um, and there's some days where I just say, "Hey, man, I think I made the wrong decision." Um, but I always go back to saying to myself, if I don't do this now, I'm just never going to do it. Um, and it was it was hard times. It was not easy. Um, 
you know, I, I barely saw my family at the time and uh, putting in long hours um, just so I can cut a path for success. Um, you know, you know, I, at the end of the day, I wish I could have done things differently, but, you know, um, you know, that's part of life, part of growing, you know. I mean, you say do things differently. You still want to be at this point where you're at. It's just you might have taken some different steps to get here. Yeah. I mean, I I probably would have um, not have sacrificed um, my kids, spending time with my kids as, as much as I did. Right. Um, you know, probably wouldn't have, uh, you know, uh, probably sacrificed my marriage at the time to, to get to where I wanted to be. Um, and so... You know, it, those things were probably the hardest things that I had to give up and, and, and kind of, you know, realize that, uh, yeah, those things are important. Um, and I hope that someday someone, you know, hope my kids will recognize and respect what I was trying to do at the time. Um, but those decisions were obviously hard and, and definitely painful. Were you born with the hustle, or did, or did you always have that, like from from youth to, to all the way <laughs> to where you're at now? Or I mean, well, I, I you know what I've known of you so far, it's a, you, you you got a little little grind, a little hustle in you. Um, I grew up in Humble Park, so um, Humble Park is definitely a hustle. I mean, you know, we used to pitch pennies on the street <laughs> just to go buy a penny candy at the store. Um, you know, my grandfather really instilled hard work. My grandfather was a bricklayer um, and came up from nothing in Mississippi and raised, you know, an amazing family um, and taught that if you want something, you have to work for it. There's, there's no handouts. There's, there's nothing. I mean, my grandfather was the type of guy that, you know, my grandmother never worked a day in her life and they never took public assistance. And it's like, hey, I will find work. I will find work to feed this family. Um, and that's always been instilled in me to have that sort of attitude. Um, and I kind of opened up, you know, you know, just seeing how people were living their lives. But, um, and I says, if I can't do anything right, um, other than being able to take care of myself and my family, then I, I I'm, I'm gonna hustle as hard as I can and and push hard as I can. Um, I think a lot of people think that. What we do is very easy. We live this glamorous lifestyle, um, and I and I applaud them for thinking that. But it makes you feel cool, but no. yeah, um, but it, it's it's hard work, and you have to surround yourself around people who believe in your vision. Um, but also, you have to believe in that vision yourself, and instill that vision of what you want to achieve uh, with people that you uh, care about and want uh, them to support you. You got to think about wh- who and what you're surrounding yourself with. Does that go a lot into it? The people that you're oh, surrounding yeah. yourself with. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, along the along the way of doing this, uh, opening a brewery, I lost a lot of friends. Um, uh, I sacrificed a lot and gave up a lot, um, but ultimately, it it allowed me to see true colors of people, um, and I surrounded myself around people uh, who really cared about not just uh, 18th Street, but cared about me as an individual um, and cared about our team. Um, And so it was hard to push away some elements that were just, you know, a nuisance or just thought they were entitled to something. Um, So, you know, I still kind of struggle a little bit with that, but um, it's made me a more well-rounded individual. 
kind of that thought process of surrounding yourself with winners and, you know, kind of, yeah, you just don't need the extra excess fat almost, is it? No, but I, I think you can't, I mean, yeah, surrounding yourself for, with winners is great, but you have to, you also have to have that loser in the element to remind you, oh, that's pretty fucked up. Good point. That's <laughs> yeah. a good point. You know, because if you surround yourself around winners your entire life, you're not going to know what it's like to be on the losing end of things. You need that perspective. You got right. a little bit of that perspective. Yeah. Now, do you think that, uh, I mean, I know you, you mentioned your grandfather and then that kind of that inspiration where the drive developed, uh, at least it was kind of instilled in you early. I mean, does that have a lot to do with when you kind of went out on your own and, and said, like, you could have gone anywhere, but you went to Gary, Indiana, mm-hmm. which... Probably, you know, it's not exactly a city that everybody's clamoring <laughs> to get to. So so can you talk about that a little bit? Like, what what, what was the thought process behind yeah, Gary? Because um, I lived in Gary for 10 years, and, and it was always all I heard was people like, where do you live? And I was, like, proud of them. I live in Gary. They're like, what the fuck? You live where? I'm going to live in Gary. And they're like, there's no way I would set foot in Gary. And so, um, um but there's some beautiful elements of Gary that people just don't see and they still don't see. Um, and w- originally what I thought was, you know what, why not, why can't Gary have access to, uh, you know, crap beer, you know, cause all you had was, you know, uh, you know, you know, shit beer at the time. I don't, I don't think I, w- I walked into one liquor store and Gary in the time that I lived there to go buy a beer, period. I would either go across state line and get it or go to Three Floyds and get it. Um, and that was, like, eye-opening. I mean, it was a, a restaurant um, in town of Miller Beach that didn't really have much crap beer. And uh, I said, I got to do I gotta do something about that and change it. And ideally, I know I couldn't afford Chicago. Everywhere I looked was super expensive. And looking at Indiana as a whole, it was like, I can do this with a very, very small budget. And, and we'll be okay and we'll do it well. Um, and I'm still proud of uh, what we did in Gary. Still proud of that pub in Gary, because um, it was just. I think we we shook we shook the world by putting a, a, a pub in Gary. Kind of did. And I think that opened up other doors for Rust Belt cities like, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, um, Detroit, and uh, a few other cities. I think people thought I was crazy, and and I I didn't think I was crazy. I think it was probably. One of the scariest, craziest things I had did at the time. But I knew that I had the support of people behind me to do it. And I think that was more important than anything for me. Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about it because it feels like you, you were kind of mentality was the burden is on me to make, make for Gary. Like you, you were responsible for getting Gary into this scene. It, uh, it, it The burden was truly on me. It was... Again, it was um, it was hard. It was not easy um, because I knew we couldn't afford to make any mistakes because that would be the death blow of our business. And we made mistakes along the way, and we, we screwed up a lot of things. But, man, I tell you what, the support that we got was – I didn't even expect that. I, di- I knew there were people who wanted more crap beer. And there was just not enough access, but it wasn't just Gary. I mean, we had we had Gary, we had Maryville, St. John, um, you know, Dyer, uh, Hammond, East Chicago. We had people coming from all over the region, and, and obviously Chicago. Mm. And it was uh, it was mind blowing. 
it, it just again I think it shook I don't I don't fret about it we put Gary Indian on, on the map when it came to craft beer yeah there's no, no reason to be humble about that I, there's no really argument about it so. yeah <laughs> So, I mean, what, did you did you experience stuff early, like when you opened the doors there? That that maybe say like first day in Gary, where you kind of like shit, 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 shit. Like did this was this the right idea? What did I do? Or were you kind of like yeah, this is gonna work? Gonna um, work. when the snowstorm hit in, in fucking 2013. Oh god, yeah, this. I was like, oh, what are we doing? I'm like this. No, I mean like Gary didn't have any city services. I remember it went from like. One foot of snow to two feet of snow, three feet of snow in a matter of hours, and then the cold front, it was like zero below like every day. And so we were closed for like a week, week and a half, and so it was pretty brutal. Um, and I said, Man, we're done. We're done. There's no way we're gonna survive this. We are was done. Was this right at the beginning? Like early yeah, first right month? At the yeah. Like for, okay. And uh and then the weather started breaking and I would just climb my way through and we had beer in the tanks and once that weather broke, man, it was like, fuck. I mean, we got to just haul ass. And, I mean, we were turning beer in sometimes seven to eight days. You know, we were just cranking out beer. And then, you know, the rape beer thing happened. And it was just like, I I don't need this right now. <laughs> Can you talk about the rape beer thing? There's not really much just to talk case, about. I mean, case, we didn't, like we didn't, didn't know. know yeah. I didn't know anything about. I know when I was working at Pipeworks, they had one rape beer. And, you know, BJ and Garrett and Scotty were all excited. And I'm like... <laughs> fucks right beer <laughs> I'm like I'm gonna go back and clean the tank and, yeah. uh, and then when we won um, uh, Best New Brewery in Indiana I had no clue I think uh, I can't remember who it was I I want to say it was Garrett who sent me a message and I think I was I was in bed I was asleep and I just heard my phone chiming that's like ching 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 I was like well, what the heck is going on I look and it was Best New Brewery and uh it was a shock yeah, because, I mean, we, we weren't even open a full year. Um, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. And then I, I think from that point, man, it was just it, it, we exploded to a point where we, we didn't have enough people. We didn't have enough beer capacity. We didn't have a lot of things. And it so took you, you us. You saw it definitely. It, it was an effect. It, it was, was effect. it was it was a big effect. And, you know, we couldn't produce enough beer. And, um, you know, in some cases, you know, I, I hate to say it, we took shortcuts, you know, um, just to please the public to make sure that we had beer um, that we can put out um, and service the tap room. Um, and it was just me at the time. What you do you know? mean by shortcuts? Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, fermentation is very important for beer. Um, you know, some beers that we put out could have sat bright a little bit longer, um, you know, could have, you know, benefited from some conditioning. Um, and I, I didn't do that because I didn't, I didn't have time to do that. <laughs> um, to give the people what they want. Yeah. Uh, and the beers were in my mind were spectacular, but they weren't what I wanted them to be. Um, and, and I can notice the flaws, but I don't think many people would notice what those flaws were, but I did, um, and I wasn't happy with that. So you, get, you just kind of, what, when did you kind of pull up out of that? Like, what, what, how did you just game plan? Like, say, okay, how do I do this, but Man, do it in the with the integrity that I want to do it with? It was just really just uh, kind of forcefully telling people they had to wait. <laughs> <laughs> Did you did you have to deal with any like blowback on, on some of the you know you said cut cut some corners or whatever did you get like feedback on like oh that wasn't the same beer the next always, time I had it always like, yeah. always and 
you know, for the life of me, um, I'll never understand that. Um, I was talking to a brewer um, a few months back, and it's like, what's your biggest pet peeve? And I was like, I... Like, I really don't want to say. I go, what's your biggest pet peeve? And it's like, oh, I really don't want to say. And he's like, well, <laughs> I don't understand how someone can say a beer tasted differently. Okay, this beer that we brewed in 2018 doesn't taste like it did in 2013. That's, well, you're hearing that a lot with zombie dust and, th- you know, these yeah. other kinds of beers from beer, beer geeks, I guess you'd call them, yeah. or just dudes that drink craft beer but i mean me for me it's always the palate to me it's never it's it's i mean sure that there might be some instances where beer recipes are tweaked or something but for me i would just say palate like my yeah. palate doesn't anything like it was in right. 2013 absolutely 2018. I, I i get that it's it's environmental change it's the way the the malt's been changed the way the hops been changed it's it's a lot of things it's process and people just i'm like okay ex- i go tell me how it tasted in 2013 because i want to know because I know right now it tastes that. it yeah. tastes great right now, I mean, and this is what you should be drinking. Tasting notes from 2013 in a great. journal, maybe great. we could great. talk about it. Great, yeah, and I yeah. and I applaud that. That's that's absolutely great. But drink it now because it's fresh. Um, it's the best it's ever been. Um, and you know, I, I I used to smoke, and I know I like Completely my I love yeah. my beers highly carbonated when I smoked. You know, and I stopped smoking. I was like, oh shit. I mean, this has definitely changed. So I, I don't I don't buy that argument. Um, but I respect people's opinions that, oh, it tasted differently. Okay, great. Well, I mean, I, I think it tastes great right now. Um, and so, um, you know, we we as a brewery have to always make sure that uh, we're doing the things that make sense um, for us first and foremost before we even put it to put it out to the consumer. Um, and that's more valuable and we we listen to feedback someone says oh you know this tastes a little bit off i mean we just we're not producing a ton of beer to um, let it sit in the keg or cooler and for the beer to be off i mean it goes to how our distributors handle it It goes to how the bar handles it it goes to how the you know the liquor store handles it there's a lot of hands that are touching this one singular product um that sometimes the consumer forgets that it's moved through four hands already and now you're the fifth hand that's going to have this beer so um you know we listen we we engage and we don't engage um as much as we used to um but you know we allow people to have their opinions because that's important but uh, for the most part we keep our opinions to ourselves uh, in what we do so specifically, like things i mean the big thing probably is like untapped now I mean like I always tell people it's Got found me the best beers I've ever had, and also kept me away from the best beers I've ever had. Just yeah, I don't follow any of that stuff. I don't yeah. follow Untap. I don't follow Rate Beer. I think uh, it's arbitrary on what you want to drink. I think you, as a consumer, or at the consumer, has to make that decision for themselves. And I think uh, sometimes people's perceptions get tainted by they just read twenty reviews, and I taste mango in this beer. And there's no mango in the beer at all, or any hops that it was situate that would note it, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's it, some of it's again, you read 20 reviews, and it, it's a mind psyche to a certain extent. But there are people out there who have sensitive palates, and they can pick up on certain things, and that's great. Um, and I can respect that. Um, 
you know, I don't follow any of that stuff. I don't. I, I listen to the customers who are sitting at the bar, um, engaging, you know, with our retail partners. Um, and, you know, there are some, some uh, beer aficionados that we highly respect. They'll send us a message and say, hey, you know, what you guys do differently? This beer is great. Or, hey, there's something off in this beer. And you fucked this one up, yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've done a lot of that, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the the... the scale that you guys are on right now in 2018 and mm. the amount you're producing and stuff so what goes into the, the quality control for that mm-hmm. you know once it leaves the hands of, of your people and hits a distributor I mean you, it's kind of out of your control at that point right or, or what, what, do you, what can well, you do to curb we, any we that? know that's out of our control at that point I don't think most consumers can understand that part so if you're listening consumers <laughs> just realize it's not their fault well i mean it you know if if we package a beer that is at the highest quality when it leaves our building um at the end of the day it's always going to be our fault it's our brand it's our brewery it's our product accountability Um, i mean right absolutely you know it's um we can't push that off on a distributor or retailer although we would like to sometimes um but it's through our product and i i think most consumers are savvy enough to understand that hey if they want the freshest product, they can just take the Skyway in and get off at Calumet Avenue so and, easy and, and drive from 22 minutes and get the beer. Um, but our process is making sure that, you know, we have all of our, our lab work done, making sure we carve our beer properly, making sure that, um, you know, as we've done, you know, back in the day, we're not rushing our beers um, and sending beers off that we speculate either something's off or something's wrong to the lab and have them test it. Or we just dump it and start all over. I mean, because I'd rather dump a 120-barrel tank, um, which in my mind uh, has a small amount of value. Uh, but if you sell that beer, that has a bigger impact and a huge amount of value um, in the return side of things if it if it's not of quality. And that's got to play into, I mean, currently where you're at now, I mean, I know you're still hands-on and brewing and all that, but but the brand is something that's very important for you so that that would totally tie right into that right right again there's you know there are a lot of i mean we're it's a we do our job to to do our part to make sure we hit everything from a to z okay um and if we messed up in that we should be able to catch that before the beer goes out to the consumer and just dump it um and then sometimes things will will rear its ugly head after the fact that you've done everything right and it's like well why did that happen? And then that's where you have to dig deeper into your process and try to figure out why it happened. How do you avoid it happening uh, so it doesn't happen again? So, um, again, we are pretty still young brewery. You know, we're going to be five years old this year. Um, and everything. It's hard to believe. I mean, just yeah. as much as people love your guys' stuff and talk about you, think you've been around forever. You know, that's actually a point. People, people do love us, and, and we love them right back um, because at the end of the day, uh, and I tell my team this, if you're not having fun, then you're not doing shit right. And I think that's important. Um, and kind of our model here is we live and love what we do. And uh, it shows from the artwork to, um, you know, the beers to the food, um, just to the culture we have. And we're not an easy, <laughs> we're not an easy brewery to work for. It's, we put every, we put our heart and soul into it and we expect the people who work with us to do the same thing. And some people come through the door and they work with us for two or three months or six months or a year. And it's just, I can't do this. This is way too intense for it's us. It's like, hi, yeah. Okay. So, it, it, you know. Because you, you demand a certain point of, 
perfection almost. Uh, not perfection, but just, yeah, a certain amount of hustle and certain amount of like grit to it. Right. We're never gonna be perfect. I can. I. I. I won't even say we're gonna be perfect. I mean, there are a lot of breweries who are out there who are who put that persona out that they are perfect. We're never gonna be perfect, and I. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, I'm just being transparent that we're gonna do everything in our power to make sure that quality we're putting the best quality beer out there but perfection is something that I that's an added pressure that I I think uh, I don't want to put on myself or my team so you you mentioned a few things that that I did want to touch on Uh, the art one of them Mm -hmm. I mean everywhere between the walls we're sitting around and the garage door outside this place and and your cans I mean your cans and, and bottle artwork I mean, talk a little bit about that. That's something that really draws a lot of people. Yeah. Um, that's that's all Joey Potts. Um, Joey, Joey Potts. Potts. Yeah. Okay. Joey Potts is our uh, art director. He's helped um, build this brand to what what you see. For how long? How long has he been doing that's it? That's pretty much one, um, since day one. Joey did freelance work for us, um, you know, kind of right out the, right out of the gate. Um, and, you know, I kind of give him an idea of what I'm looking for. Um, at the time, I did. I don't do that much more. Um, really, like giving, something giving that him I, a feeling, or like yeah, I'll like say I think you know we should go in this direction in this beer. Um, I'll give him some, you know, some some plotters of what I think it should look like. Um, I used to do a lot of that, and sometimes I still do because I may care about the beer. And I says, hey, here's what I want it to look like or project. Um, and we've we've had a great relationship um, on that side. But I, I totally trust what he does, and I, I had to, <laughs> kind of had to let that side, <laughs> side of things go. Let, let him go. You know, yeah, let him do what he does. And he does other it well. stuff going. He's uh, doing pretty good. You yeah. got other stuff going. Uh, and he's, I mean, from the t-shirts to the, everything you see on the wall, the imagery, that's all Joey. I, mean, I, I can't take one any t-shirts today, credit for that. So, um, yeah. I mean, this stuff's amazing. That 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 uh, garage door outside this Hammond facility is so it's so cool. I mean, yeah. it just looks badass. And, and, he understands, you know, feels like it what fits you for. guys. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's our culture. Our culture is, you know, beer, art, music, um, and I think we do those things uh, pretty well. Yeah, so I mean, in this tap room, you mentioned all those things: beer, art, music, food. I mean, mm-hmm. so uh, where, where do you procure your chef or your menus? Or yeah, um, I think for for myself and uh, you know for my wife and Joey, we're big food people. Um, and I've always been a food person, um, and we travel a lot, and you know we live in a city where food is—it's it, like you know—it's kind of key to life for us. Um, but I look at everything in in perspective when it comes to food. Food has to to kind of match some of the beer, but for me, food is—it it breathes a whole different life in what we do in this in this brewery. You know, we've had a number of chefs that have walked through our doors and you know kind of promise you the world and say hey we can do this and um you know i think for me to be involved in that is really important because food is a big part of our beer um, and so i didn't really want to just throw shitty food on a plate and serve it to people because it's not who we are it's not who we want to be known for what we want to do. So I'm very actively involved in the kitchen. Um, I meet with our sous chef and our kitchen manager. I was wondering that you feel like, I feel like you're actively involved with most things in, in this place. Well, kind of, you know, you gotta be, I'm the owner. I have to be, um, but I, you know, 
you know, I let them, I let them roll, but I, I demand excellence on, on both sides of so the brewery side and, and on the food side. I mean, we just, we can't afford to have those elements not tie in together. Um, and so I, I meet with the kitchen team every morning um, and we talk about the yesterday um, and we talk about what we're doing going forward. I mean, we do a lot of weddings here, a lot of weddings, social functions, political functions. Um, so we just can't throw food on the plate and say, here you go. And here's we're going to charge you 25 bucks for it because those days are over when it comes to food. Um, no people matter, demand more now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this region has never had that. I mean, Three Floors has always done a good job. I think we've looked at that model of, of saying, hey, they do an extremely well job of serving their food, so why can't people in the region get on board and kind of do the same thing? And right out of the gate, I says, when we open a kitchen, we're going to basically do everything in our power not to put shit on a plate. Um, and I take that very, very seriously. Um, and it's important, especially for Hammond. There's not a lot of restaurants in Hammond. And so... Yeah. You know, the mayor comes in here and eats. His wife comes in here and eats. Um, but it's we want the community to feel comfortable with, hey, there's a, a high quality of food service here that we need to provide. And we don't take that very lightly at all. It kind of ties in with the culture as a whole. So it's not there's no one part of it that's left out of the umbrella of the culture. I mean, it all gets treated the same and the same kind of high end aspect of it. So. Yeah. And and music. I mean, you guys bring music in too, live acts. I mean, the yep. space allows that, which yeah. is awesome. We we do we try to do music uh, every weekend or every other weekend. It's always local, or do you just try? We to try to do local wherever? as much as possible. Um, Frank, who's our front office manager here, um, he has a big music background. He has his own band, um, but he goes out and researches, and we we ask questions to other people who are doing it. To hey, what do you think? You know, uh, who are you guys using? Um, but I, I love walking in here on a Saturday when I do and, and seeing a live band just tearing it up. Um, we, we, you know, I can say that. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. You know, we, we pick music that, you know, people are going to enjoy. It doesn't have to be metal all the time, but we do R&B. You know, we do soul. We do blues. We do funk. But you like metal. I do you like do metal. Like um, there's something in the, I do. Um, people don't think I do, but I do. I do. I like metal. I like rap. Um, I love the intense part of that music that allows us to be intense um, in the kitchen allows us to be intentional in a brewery um, and in our you know it's amazing what, what music can do for your Absolutely. your psyche like, <laughs> it's crazy just drives you yeah so you, you you're in gary and and you've been you were you were doing all, all this stuff in gary for the for these years when did you go we could do another one like I was not doing another one. I just <laughs> <laughs> um, we just ran into space issues every single time we were in our Gary facility. Um, and when we won Rapier, again, I didn't know how to proceed with capacity or how we looked at it. So I looked at, you know, I leaned heavily on Garrett at Pipe Works for that, who is amazing in, in helping us um, grow in the right direction and give a lot of feedback on that. Um, industry folks as well. Um, we just had to figure it out. And so every quarter, it seemed like we were expanding in some way or another, whether it be a new tank, a new brew house, um, a new, another building. And so it was like, well, how do we do this? And we do it for the last time and not have to worry about it. <clears throat> so um, in 2014, 2015, um, our CEO, um, Ed uh, McKernan, and myself said, hey, we need to figure this out because... If we keep spending money on every quarter of 
you know, trying to buy a new tank and sticking it in the building, um, we're going to run into bigger issues, you know, water, uh, grain handling, and all those things. And so um, we have formed an advisory board, and there's, there's four of us on the advisory board. Um, Sounds super corporate. No, it's like <laughs> it's kidding. it's people that we really trusted yeah. who were some way or shape or form involved in the industry um, that were, you know, kind of had their finger on the pulse. Um, and so we said, well, hey, why don't we just buy the building that we're in in Gary? Let's buy that building and let's, you know, maybe expand, put like a, you know, a, a mortar building onto that building. And so we sat down with the owner and we're like, hey, you know, we want to buy the building. And here's the money that we have. And, you know, we and thought it was an amazing offer. And their and answer was? And his answer was no. He's like, I'm not, I don't want to sell the building. And uh, he said, uh, you know, I, I need life-changing money. He says, you're not going to go down. Life-changing money. Yeah, he says, you know, you're not going to find any building like this on the street. Um, and if what, you tr- what you're asking to buy it for a year, you're crazy. I said, okay, cool. <laughs> and okay, so okay. we spent three months researching and so we we bought three buildings two on the street and then one the building we're right now we bought Hammond um, for way less than what we were offering him at the time okay Um, so we proved him wrong in that aspect boom (laughs) nailed it um, I think you like to win. <laughs> um, in some some instances, I do. In that case, I I did want to win. Uh-huh. I want to tell that guy, um, you know, you're not the end all be all, and if the only person who's going to get life changing money is going to be myself and my team. Boom. So I love that. Yeah. Nice um, little victory there. Yeah. So we end up buying this building, um, and we we're very happy about it. Um, it was the most scariest thing I've done. In a long time, uh, you know, outside of being a father, it was scary at a young age. <laughs> um, but it that was can be scary too. Yeah, <laughs> but it was the best thing we've ever done: is securing our future in our own building, our building that we own. Um, didn't have to answer to a landlord telling us what we can and what we can't do. Um, so we are the landlord, and now we tell ourselves what we can and <laughs> what we can't do. Hell yes. Um, so um, I'm really proud of this location. I'm really proud of the building. Uh, we put a lot of work into it. We're still working on it. Um, and I, I think, you know. Some roof issues. <laughs> not anymore. Uh, not, not, roof, anymore. not anymore. The roof costs the same amount of money as what we spent on the building. So, <laughs> um, But we're happy with it. Um, you know, I think I'm almost 110% sure this is our last expansion that we're going to do in 2018. I think we're comfortable where we're at. Um, and, you know, we're just going to basically – you continue to focus on you know the, the consumer side of things it looks amazing in here so and and out and outside i can't wait to get out here in the summer it's going to be uh, unreal you said you're doing a little construction out the back too you're cutting a little piece of the wall there for yeah we're gonna put a, a through a you know we uh, indiana has uh, some very sophisticated laws <laughs> weird um, finding that out in a lot of places they have very intricate little things that you can and can't do depending on your licensure and all right that. So we can't have a full-service bar in a patio unless it's completely screened off from the public so they can't see in um, into the bar area. So um, we're looking at putting a little pop-out window on the uh, north south side of the building so that way you can't see it. All you see is a parking lot walking up to a window, grabbing a beer and walking away. 
Um, so that's kind of our little. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. You, you just gotta you gotta play the system just right. Uh, we do. I, I think we have, you know, we have a great excise attorney that we work with here in the state, um, who's been with us since day one, who helps us understand the law, um, and and find some of those uh, areas that of opportunity. Uh, that makes sense for us. So. You got you got to have people to do all this stuff. I mean, geez, yeah. you got enough on your plate as it is. Yeah. Um, the, one of the things I was also interested in, I'm sure a lot of people have been seeing it, uh, you know, lately. But as I was driving in, I, I noticed I drove by a building with the Sour Note uh, yep. logo on it. So, okay. can you talk a little bit about the Sour Note. Sure. Um, Sour Note uh, came about, uh, you know, myself, Richie. Um, Rich, who's our head brewer, and um, Bucky, who's no longer with us. He's uh, He moved to Arizona, uh, him and his wife. And Joey, we were like, man, no one's making really good sours in the region. Um, and, you know, do we want to take a run at this? And we were busy as fuck. But we had some downtime in between. And we're like, yeah, let's just do this. And the first ones were put out. Just, we just, just horrible. We couldn't even drink <laughs> them. They were so bad. Here? Like, what are we doing? Um... And so we reached out to a few brewers, and we reached out to Austin, who was um, who worked at uh, Against the Grain, and he worked at um, the Big Sour Facility downstate in, in Blooming. Uh, I forget what it's called, but he, he still the still right? Yeah, he yeah. worked at the still, and now he works for us. Um, so we called him up and like, hey man, we're thinking about doing like a goes, and he's like, yeah, here's how you do it, and he walked us through it, and it was uh, it was great. Um, and so we started messing around with. Any chance we get a, a red wine barrel or a barrel that we can put a sour into, we are playing with it and, and doing it. Um, and then we got busy. You know, we couldn't really dedicate time to that program anymore. And we had probably over 80 barrels that were just sitting here. Oof. And we couldn't do anything with or we didn't know what to do with. And we just forgot about it. And so when we moved in this building two and a half years ago, you know, we sat around the table and said, hey, we got to, we really got to put some more emphasis emphasis and focus on sour note and um at that time we were comfortable rich was comfortable running the the brewery and i was traveling quite a bit and i said well hey why don't i why don't i just run sour note take sour note over and run it um and still be a big part of 18th street but be a, a more driving force at sour note and so we bought this building two and a half years ago in uh, the city of hammond uh, was going to tear down that building that Sour Note's currently in and, and put a parking lot in for us and a few other businesses. And so uh, myself and our CEO walked down the street and the door was open up to the building. And so we walked in and we were like, holy shit, they're going to tear this building down? And we were like, no, don't tear it down. So what about it? Like, What, what was it when you it, it's an old. It was it's an like old service station. It was like great bones, great window, great great ceiling uh, and more importantly i had a roof that was four years old <laughs> so, hell yes uh, all these is. beautiful overhead doors these florida ceiling windows you have nightmares about roofs now i do because this one was very expensive <laughs> yeah, it was very expensive <laughs> um so we walked in there and we we're like oh my god and so we immediately went to the city uh, the building was uh, the city owned the building and we said hey don't tear it down i go can we just buy the building from you and they're like, sure, well, what are your plans for it? We're like, well, initially we'll put a restaurant in there, maybe a distillery in there. And then I said, you know, why don't we just put Sour Note down there? It'll have its own brew house, its own brewery, its own tap room. Did that catch some looks from your fellow? Like, what? Just put Sour Note as a uh, whole? It or? took our brewers off by surprise because we were busy here and um, and uh, we didn't want to dedicate any more time and dollars into anything. But I said, let's just buy the building, let's sit on it for a while and figure out what we need to do. 
And so we put very minimal work down there. We just up, upgraded some electrical stuff down there. Um, and it was pretty much ready to move in. Um, and we got to do some other stuff to it, too. But uh, we wanted Sour Note to have its own home, its own identity, um, you know, uh, and really focus on uh, building that program up. I mean, at least for the region here that, you know, we want a good sour program in northwest Indiana. So we want to spearhead that, take that on and do it. So I, I think what we're doing right now is I'm extremely proud of. You know, we have five different varieties of goes. Um, fruit it goes in a can right now and we do have about four um, bottles that we've been bottle conditioning for a little bit over uh, a year now that are ready we'll slowly start releasing those little by little cool um, and then hopefully the end of may june uh the tap room will be open just serving some beautiful sour beers um i love sours i mean i i, I do too there's again it's hard to get them into people's hands i mean you know, you know, we've been fortunate to have two handles here at 18th Street of Sour um, from uh, Sour Note, and man, I tell you, it, it's great. People are really, really happy that we've done it, um, and it sells extremely well. People are really happy that we're, uh, you know, taking the charge and and putting some sours in people's hands. We're still relatively young here in in, in Northwest Indiana. I mean, people don't. Uh, drink a lot of sours. A lot of bars don't care a lot of sours because they don't know yeah. how to sell them. So the education onus is on us and our team to to make sure that we we push and spearhead that as much as we can. When they're done well, I mean, it, it, they're just top of the line. Top no of the shortcuts. Line. Yeah. Can't think yeah, of any shortcuts. No shortcuts. <laughs> oh yeah, I've, I've been learning so much just doing the podcast about the differences between kettle sours and yeah. wilds and you know the true wild ales and the way they're fermented. Spontaneous, and all that spontaneous stuff. Yeah, I had great conversations with uh, Penrose, uh, with Tom Corder and, Porter, and yeah. Brady, uh, Tom Brady over there. They were, they were awesome, uh, or Jake Brady, Tom Brady. But yeah, they they opened my eyes to what it means to be, you know, what a sour actually is. But uh, a sour note does it have to be like a separate business classification? Everything? Did you have no, to go it, through it, like all the licensure and no, stuff for that? No, um, it is a separate uh, company. Um, it's separate brewery. Um, you know, I own. 18th Street and I own Sour Note. Um, we did that for a lot of reasons uh, because we really want that to be its own brand, stand out on its own. And so we, we carry it here. And we help promote it as much as we can, but it's really its own separate entity. Um, and we have two amazing brewers over there. Um, uh, Ryan Stick, who was at Cigar City, we just hired him on. So he's running that program. And Oswald White uh, was at Cigar City as well. Um, so they're basically running just that program. Bringing them up from Florida now? In well, you know, it's, uh, no, not really. <laughs> uh, you know, it was an opportunity for Ryan, who worked at Cigar City for a while, and he worked at Brewski in Swede for a while. Um, and it was happened that, by chance, that he, you know, he was moving from Sweden looking for a place. Um, and we, you know, I've known Ryan for two years now, and uh, I offered him a job a year and a half ago, and he said no. And because um, he was going to go work for Brewski. Um and then we brought Oz down because we really wanted someone really young, energetic, um, to uh, run that program and kind of give it some legs. So I think uh, they are going to do amazing things down there as they already are. Um, and once that tap room opens down there, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun to see, um, you know, that little corner down there just kind of explode and it's gonna be uh, cool have some fun he's gonna have like a complex down here it's gonna be yeah yeah intense sort of sort of kind of <laughs> and you got some interesting neighbors too so you yeah absolutely <laughs> so you got sour note 18th street and the popo yeah <laughs> yeah well 
you know, it's, he said it's uh, great being next to him, though, right? We don't have to worry. I, I, you know, I love feel it. Safe. <laughs> we, I, we do feel safe. We don't have to worry about security. Or, we have a we have a security alarm system that we've never used. <laughs> you know, we have cameras everywhere, but I mean, it's different. So. It's, got, it's just an interesting setup where, you know, the little area that you pull into and you just kind of, you see the Federal sour now. Right see, see in the courthouse, you right got there. police station. You church got right behind you. Yeah, the church. You <laughs> got a great building here. Um, yeah, the, I know you got other plans. Uh, we don't have to go too deep in it, but uh, you, got, you got something else coming up here too, right? You got uh, spirits, some yeah, spirits. Yep, we're opening a uh, artisan distillery. Um, hopefully, we broke ground a few weeks ago. Um and we're really pushing for spring. Um, you know, I, I think for us, it's it's the next progression of what we want to do as far as tying, you know, our company uh, into a different uh, situation. Uh, you know, beer is awesome. Beer is great, and we love it. I mean, and we love spirits here as well. So we want to tie that into, um, you know, kind of our corner of the world and producing some you know, some world-class spirits, you know, and hopefully if we do everything right, we'll have some, you know, some award-winning spirits. I think it's it's really important for us. It's really important for, uh, you know, kind of our our, our brand and what we want to do. Uh, and I love spirits. I'm a big whiskey bourbon guy. I think everyone on our team is. Um, and when we made the announcement, we kind of kept it on the wraps for, you know, two years because, you know, obviously you know, we had to secure financing and, um equipment and things like that but uh we, we're happy enough to know that we're moving in the right direction the ball's rolling now <laughs> the ball has been rolling the ball has the ball has been rolling for a year and a half for us we've been really quiet about it not really saying much what's going on um but um we're happy to do it right where we're at so how are you going to approach that are you, you going to kind of let people do that or are you going to jump right in there at the beginning and kind of it's it's we we it. it's 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 on me right now and um, we we have uh, another distiller uh, raven cologne um who'll uh, be side by side with me um i've had a intensive schooling <laughs> i need to go back for some more of it nice um but it's it's a it's a big venture for us um i think we're going to tie a lot of beer into it i think right off the back we'll do a lot of you know some some rye whiskey some bourbon some gin, some rum, some even some moonshine. I think we're going to stay away from vodka. Uh, I'm not really a vodka fan. I think there's enough producers producing vodka so that we don't have to get into it. But we want to do some stuff that's fun. I mean, you know, making moonshine is, I think, I me, mean, it's fun. You can incorporate so many things into moonshine. You know, we're going to distill some of our beer. I mean, we've been doing that for quite a while now. Uh, but we really want to see and uh, how we can push the envelope when it comes to spirits as we have on the beer side as well that has the potential to change the game really for spirits too doesn't it i mean the way you guys are approaching it versus a classic you know big boy bourbon maker or you know i think we're going to have both sides of it we'll approach it classically um but we'll we'll play a little bit yeah we'll definitely play a little bit um but i think right now we've always said uh, we don't want to be a one-dimensional brewery we want to do things that we care about and want to continue to have fun. And I know the distillery is a way for all of us to have fun, and it, it's a way for Joy to continue to be creative on the art. It's a way for me to continue to be creative on the spirit side. Um, you know, if we do everything right, you know, we'll get open, um, you know, in time for spring until people can enjoy some beautifully handcrafted cocktails yeah. and 
So it's going to be a lot of fun for on us. On your awesome patio. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that'll tie in real nice, though. Yeah, yeah you, I mean, again, it, it, there seems to be a general theme between uh, 18th Street here and, and your other offshoots of the Sour Note, and that is, it all falls under that kind of working hard and making a good product and taking pride in what you're doing and having passion about it. Uh, that's kind of the general theme I'm getting off of you. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think um, if you don't work hard, you're never going to see any benefits of what you're doing in your in your in your professional life or your or your personal life. So, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, my wife is amazing. You know, Hannah's been uh, very supportive, but I think a lot of what you know I experienced over the last you know 2013 has kind of helped me become a more well-rounded. Uh, business person a lot more smarter savvier um, you know and you know all those things are encompasses of who we are and and the hard work we put in I I don't want anyone to work any harder or less than I do Um, and we've proven time and time again that if you work hard um, you know the benefits are endless and and you're rewarded uh, whenever that time comes now, do you remember, like, as a, as a kid or like as a student, were you always like hard worker, like real smart, you know, I book smart, or were you just like I hated? <laughs> yeah, I, I always wonder that. Like, you know? uh, I was, you know, I do a lot more reading, intense reading now, now. than I did in school. Um, but I always had the street smarts. I always had that to really kind of tie me over and understand when someone's like people and personal. Yeah, like you could read things. Yeah. yeah, I'm a so important. Yeah, I'm a now I used to be a, a reactional thinker and just fly off at the handle. Now I'm kind of a I, I'll sit back and kind of watch things. It's so all that heavy metal music. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 You know, but I think just over time, it's just, you know, listening to other people who've experienced things that I've age experienced. and experience. Yeah. And you start yeah. to learn. And so, yeah. yeah. And it's it's nice having a wife to tell you to shut the fuck up sometimes. <sighs> and just it's so good, isn't it? You I know, mean, you hate it, but you also are like, No, it's cool. I need it. I need sh- it. It's cool because she'll be like, just just shut up and just wait and just, just watch, just listen. And uh, and that's been so instrumental. I mean, I'll sit back and watch. And uh, I'm uh, that person who will sit back and watch now. And I can um, and not react uh and you know unintentionally but um it, it's kind of helped me grow to just say hey listen you don't always have to react to everything it's like sit back and wait and then make your own assessment and your judgment and then react to it because at that point you think you're you're better off at that point just breathe yeah <laughs> Try to yeah. breathe a little bit yeah. Ah. yeah that's good it's so key for for all of us we need that little yeah. that anchor of some sort you know <laughs> I mean, I've really enjoyed our time talking about this stuff. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and do the podcast. I know you got you got some things to do, right? You could be doing a little some bit. Other stuff. I mean, it's Saturday. Usually, I'm not here on a Saturday, but we're filling barrels today, so it's. Uh, well, I mean, you're here what five, seven days a week, or for you know, usually, fourteen hours a day. Usually, usually I'm here um, five days a week. Um, I'm here every day when I'm not traveling. I'm here every day. I get in at seven thirty and I leave sometimes, you know, seven o'clock at night. But I'm here, you know. You have to be in a business that you own and run. Uh, visible. You have to know. Yeah, visible. physical being is so important. Um, you have to be here. You have to see it. You have to experience it. You have to touch it. You have to feel it. Um, and I love being here uh, when I'm not traveling on the road. Um, it's my f- responsibility to be here. Um, and if I'm not here, I'm anxious to get back home to find out what's going on. So uh, I'm here. I mean, most people think that I'm not, but when I'm not on the road, I'm, I'm, I'm home. I mean, how would you how would you uh, kind of classify now? We have so much connectivity now, and when you're on the road all the time like that, I know th- 
nothing substitutes for being here and mm. being and touching and feel like you were just saying, but like how much is like technology played in now when you're in Iceland, you can have an iPad with you and kind of keep up with what's going on. Right. And um, you know, I, I think is it's uh, hiring talented people to do that for you. Um, so that it, some of the burdens off your plate, but I still, I still check the daily numbers on the pub. I still look at production reports. Um, I still uh, involved as, as, m- as much as I can without being a micromanager in the operation because um, it's important. I took this role on to be an owner, to be a brewer. Um, I didn't, you know, I've asked people to come on and, and join this ride with me, um, but I can't put that burden, that the entire burden of responsibility on them. It's, it's my responsibility at the end of the day. And yes, they have responsibilities, but at the end of the day, it's still my responsibility to make sure this company is profitable, uh, we're successful, uh, and I just can't, you know, cut and turn and walk away. There's times that I, I like to do that, <laughs> but um, it seems like always moving forward too. Seems you have to. to be, you yeah. have to. You have to. I mean, you want them to do well in what they're doing, but you always seem to be looking ahead too. You have to. I mean, we don't. We plan out for 2018, and we're we're planning out for 2019 now, and it's only Q1. Yeah. Uh, but we we have to do that. It, we we can't. We can't process things um, at a later date, like you know, because that can either it's going to benefit you or it's going to hurt you, and you're going to get caught with your pants down. So we don't, we don't, we're not worried about 2018 right now. 2018's done in our it's mind. Sorry, take care. It's, of it's it's planned out, and if we do everything right, we'll be fine. Let's focus on what's going to mm-hmm. be happening in 2019. I mean, did. I know I've asked you this, but do you always find yourself in that mentality? Or is that something you've learned over the years to kind of no, I've, I've, developed? I, I've learned it. I think for me is again, surrounding myself around people who have like mind. Um, and, you know, I, again, I don't know everything. I, I can't process everything that's happening at the speed of light, but I, I can pick up a phone. Um, you know, I had intense conversations with three breweries I respect in Iceland uh, about how they're growing their business and how we're growing our business and what we need to do. And those conversations are so valuable, at least for me, and I'm sure it is for them, um, because you need that outlet um, and have people understand what you're talking about and and where they want to go and kind of where you want to go and how all this relates to an end game for everyone. You know, I've always said I want to retire in five years. I, you know, I want to put this company in the best position that it couldn't be in to succeed and to continue to grow uh, without me. Um, and we're approaching five years. Um, and I, you know, I, I want to finish this project and a few more projects. You're nowhere but close. Yeah. No, I'm nowhere <laughs> close. I, I said five years, you know, and, and uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm planning for it though. I'm planning and looking ahead for it. Cause if I don't, um, I don't want to be in a position where I say I should have, could have, would have. And you you did you said something too just now that that kind of is interesting when you say uh, surrounding yourself with like-minded people. But I feel like from talking to you, it's not just like-minded; it's also that balance of like contradictory as well. Like you don't want you don't want a bunch of people just telling you, "Yeah, you do, you're great. Everything you're doing is great. It's perfect." Yep. And again, as I s- we talked earlier, I said you got to have that one uh, person who's the asshole and, and brings you back to reality yeah. because, yeah. Um, you know, I was talking to. Uh, a brewer about it's okay to tell me when my beer sucks or when it's bad i i respect you to tell me that i, I think a lot of people don't do that enough and and we get into this quandary of 
you know, some awesome breweries in our region and then some pretty shitty ones. Um, but I like people who are transparent um, and a lot of people who have pulled the reins back on me and say, hey, you need to just shut the fuck up and just do your job because what you're doing is amazing and we love you. Um, and at the end of the day, that was it, it, some of that's hard to swallow, but it, it, it really says, you know what? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Like, yeah, I'm up my own ass here. And yeah. I need yeah, to get out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you can't you can't have a yes man. I don't want people to be a yes man here, but I want people to be uh, responsible um, and and understand what accountability Accountable. is. Accountable um, is a great word. For and I think this. we're everyone's you know we're so nice and it's it's a cool industry. It's fun, but we don't like holding people accountable, and and that's hard still for me. Because yeah. um, it's almost too cool of an industry. It's like you well, are, it you is know, too cool of an industry, but it's, uh, it's it's real life. It's real life it's real life money it's real life things you're responsible for so it comes back to balance at that point right like you got to balance that right and so you you have to hold people accountable as hard as it is you know and we don't like you know we don't fire anyone that has worked here we just do the paperwork and they make themselves available to the industry not us you know we give you an environment to work in um, and we try to make that environment fun but also we're going to hold you accountable to make sure that you're doing your job do you have any, uh, like, like if you're out in a group with, like, some brewers or you're at a festival or something and you guys are all together, do you have a story that you always, like, end up with, like, like nightmare brew day, awesome brew day, <laughs> like, packaging story, like, crazy tank explosions? I, no, I hear some no great, explosions. I hear some great stories from people. Um, I think, for me, is, um, I said this earlier, the story that I, 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 I think I relate to is, uh, I was sitting at a bar with my wife and um, uh, this couple who lives in Chicago and we live in Chicago walked up and I said, man, Drew Fox from 18th Street Bar. I was like, yes. They're like, man, we love you. We hear nothing but great things about people love you. And I was like, that's awesome. And they go, that's really cool. And I didn't know how to respond to that. And um, I said, hey, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, you kind of love what we're doing. And so I get in the car and my wife was like, she's like, did that kind of take you off guard? I was like, yeah, I, I get it all the time, but you can tell they were genuine. And I said, I was shocked. I didn't know how to respond to it. And I said, um, I said, my response would have been, thank you. We love you, too. But I c- it couldn't come out of my I couldn't I mean, get out of my I didn't want to be awkward about it or anything. It, it was just, it, I was stumped. I love um, you, too. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and again, we, there are people who do love what we do and, and do love and care about what we do and. Um, you know, for a while, I didn't. I didn't think people did. I thought people just wanted the beer. And you know, as I get older and I look at what we've done throughout the years and going on five years, I'm like, man, that's 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 pretty amazing. That's pretty cool that people actually do love us. And I, I should be able to reciprocate that love. And um, you know, so thank you. We love you. <laughs> Your timeline too. I mean, five five years. It's, it seems like it's just you've been here forever and you've been making amazing beer forever. I mean, the first beers I had from you were probably jade and sex and candy just just really solid awesome beers and i just heard nothing but great things i i got a buddy that's kind of a 18th street fanboy you know he's <laughs> he's a every he's collecting every every time you have a release of some sort uh, he was actually just here on saturday for uh, his his girl's birthday and they drank here all day but um it you guys make amazing shit i mean you really do i hate to just sit here and blow smoke up your ass but but you guys do amazing stuff um but kind of tying into that transitionally in the market as a whole mm. like how did you guys feel initially with 
double dry hops and hazies and juicy IPAs and that? Like, is that a? Um, it was. It was a conversation I had with um, uh, Gina Tired Hands. I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, man, like it's we're not for collaboration. I saw what they were doing for years and years. I just didn't really want to jump into that. And then uh, Beer Me Fits. Um, Who's a big craft beer? I just found out about Beer Me Fits on Tuesday from Roger uh, over at Corridor. Um, I was, uh, I took him down to Sour Note and uh, he says, Hey man, so what's your take on this uh, whole double dry hop and hazy beer? (laughs) And I said, Listen, man, I said, if you go back to our original post when we released Deal with the Devil, that beer was hazy as fuck. That was, that was like what, your original? It was like one of our original first releases. Yeah. Um, And I says, these beers have been around for a while. Some people just do them really well, you know. You know, like tired hands, veil, monkish, and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Trillion, Trillion Treehouse, etc. I said, "Do us." I don't really want to, um, you know, jump jump into this without knowing what I'm doing. And he says, "You're not." He says, "People are just waiting for you guys to put something out." And I says, "Well, you know, they'll wait a little bit longer because I didn't know." Anything about the style, or, or, or how we would even approach the style, how doing it, and so we got on the horn. We started asking around. We Classic Drew Fox fashion, right there. Yeah, Just we started asking questions. Up say, advice. Hey, how do we do this? And um, and so you know, me and Rich were like, man, we we really Rich is he Rich didn't really want to do the style, and um, I didn't either. But we just we put our heads together and we said, you know what? If people are waiting for us to do it, and people want us to do it, let's give people what they want. And uh, and it's uh, we it's rare that we do that we, you know we we make awesome stouts and we're really, really well known for the IPAs and says well let's Your go ahead and do are it awesome I they said, really are yeah. I said let's do it and see and see what happens and so we kept tweaking kept asking questions and tweaking and I think we do it extremely well um, I, are we great at it absolutely not but we do it extremely well uh, and I'm proud of that and so you know we committed to doing at least you know one or two a week or two sometimes two a week. Because, again, it, if people want certain things, doesn't mean we have to give them everything they want. But if we have the means and capability of doing it, then let's do it. Let's have fun with it. And, you know, the artwork ties into it. The beer ties into it. Yeah. And, you know, we have fun with it. You know, we put crazy stuff on our tanks. We name the beers. And people really enjoy it. I think, you know, again, if someone else has something that we can do really well, then we should be able to at least make the effort and put our heart and soul into it and, and, and do it and do it well. Because yeah. if we weren't doing it well, then we would just not do it at all. People need to stop focusing on the style and what things are called, and just judge it based on the fact that it's it's good beer, it's not good beer. You know? right. Well, it's it, at the end of the day, it's still beer, and I think you know we we respect people's opinions about you know turbid beers, and there's been a lot of controversy about turbid beers, but at the end of the day, the consumer we let the we let the consumer decide. It's not for us to say. If it's a style, if it's not a style, let the consumer decide what they want. It's it's not our job to tell the consumers what they can and what they can't have in certain areas. So, last year, uh, chasing paper that was that, that was a great beer. Thank I you. Really enjoyed that. Thank I mean you. that style. I I enjoy that style personally, um, but that that chasing paper. I was I couldn't get it again. I couldn't find it again. It was just such a great beer. And then. Uh, even more recently, I you know I think you did it all at once. I got Trub Wizard and. Uh, uh, What's that? Fragile Ego, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were beautiful beers. Just Thank so you. well done. Both collaborations, too, right? Or, uh, or they, I can't, uh, one was like Around the Bend, mate? Or was it no, uh, we Bent did, River? We did one with um, um, our buddy out in uh, 
God, I'm, my brain is fried today. That's all right. Uh, I'm asking a lot of you. I, I, I remember. I've already done an hour and 20 minutes on you. Yeah, I, I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, yeah, that, but that, getting back to that style, I mean, that, it, that's something that, like, you guys were open to it, and now you're crushing it, man. It's We're just having fun with it. I mean, yeah. we, we get to have fun with the names, and we, we kind of poke fun at some of the stuff, but it's like, at the end of the day, man, it's it, uh, we're able to do it, as I said, and we're able to do it really well. We're going to do it. And the minute we feel that we don't want to do it anymore, then we have the option to say, hey, let's do something different. Pivot. You let's know? pivot. Let's do some Cezannes. You know, let's do a good you know, let's do if some you can do a Cezanne, IPLs. Right. You know, and you know, we have everything in our arsenal to, to do what we need to do and not um, be pigeonholed into a, a particular style. Um, and we always want to have that option uh, of having fun. Um, and, and you know, caring about what we do and caring about our customers and caring about um, our industry as a whole and, um, and and share that knowledge when we can and however we can. Conversationally, just before before we started actually recording, when you walked me around, I, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, he, he brought me an IPL, so an Imperial Pale Lager, which is awesome. But, but you said something that struck me, like you and a lot of brewers, which I've heard it, you're drinking a lot of lagers and pilsners and, you know, just these German style, classic style. I'm a beers. high life guy. I'll drink high life all Me day too. long. Whole fridge guy. I got a whole 30 pack always yeah. in that high life. I'm, I'm ready. You know, so I'll, I'll, I'll go to anywhere and get a high life before I, or in the old fashioned or something. But, um, you know, Rich and our, uh, Rich and myself were like, Rich is not really a big lager guy. Um, but we said, uh, uh, we asked the local brewery how they were doing it and, uh, we said, let's do it. And so we crush them like this IPL. So um, good. It was you know, really it's a base. Good. It's a base. Um, log. It's a base uh, pale recipe that we use. And we're like, let's lager this shit and see what happens. And and now we, I think we've gotten really good at it. It's I think, pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, so what, do, you, do you know what hop was in there? What, what, uh, I think we used a um, little little bit of mosaic, and we used a little bit. Um, uh, I think we did a little bit of crystal in there. I believe. And you can get that here, uh, only at the tap room. Not it's only, you can get it on the streets. Yeah. We 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 distilled this a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, and you asked me earlier where we're going to can this. I think we are going to can it. I think it's a really fun beer. It's light. It's refreshing. Um, it's going to kill you know. in the spring and summer yeah. and stuff. It, it gives the like the you know the the pale drinker uh, what they want, and it gives a lager drinker what they want in the same aspect. So. Get some hops, <laughs> but you get a nice like crisp, clean lager finish. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, and then you, I think you had one. Uh, I mean, this is Saturday morning here. Uh, I'll have this out really quick. But you guys are tapping a new beer today too. Uh, yep, we're tapping a, a new double dry hop, uh, double IPA, Restless Queen. Um, really, a lot of melon on forward. Um, really juicy uh, beer, six and a half percent. So you know, again, we're, we're trying to have fun with these beers, and um, you know, try to release something every week or every two weeks, you know, that style. So. Yeah, you guys are pumping out beer all the time. It's hard to keep up half the time. It is. We're, we're trying to, like... <laughs> I missed Nickel and Dime. Those, I missed both of those. Yeah, really we're, we're trying to go back those to some great. of the old classics, you know. Um, you know, when you know when we decided to distribute beer in Chicago, we knew we couldn't do it ourselves. And, you know, we went with the distributor, and, you know, those demands and things like that kind of have constraints on yeah. us having fun and things. But, you know, we always figure it out and do the things we need to do. And now we'll... You know, in June we'll have a new 30 barrel brew house, so we can 
keep the core stuff going and, and keep our 15 barrel brew house to keep the R&D stuff going and keep having fun. So that's something I thought you mentioned multiple times, I think during your kind of touring me around here is, is R&D like you guys seem to like to experiment because you always have to be do better or different or no we like it i mean we we that's the one thing that we fell off on for a while because we're so busy just trying to get this building done and all the construction projects and beer out beer yeah and so we we knew we missed the r&d side and so now we'll have 45 barrel brew house capacity we have a 30 barrel brew house that's for um our our core stuff and then the 15 barrel brew house we'll have that for our one-off um kind of cool stuff that we want to do and we we, we really missed that part of the uh, of the brewing side and so um, now we're just going to hit it really really hard full force so you'll see a lot of coffee beers you'll see a lot of beers with fruit you'll see a nice. lot of beers with dry hop you'll see even a lot of beers you know with some you know wild herbs that we're going to grow in the garden here so we're going to see a lot more of that stuff that we really missed and we really want to get back into so are you like a like a musician just pen and paper and just writing recipes i mean what i you know i i attribute it to just uh, being able to to never close your mind to anything but you know i have an amazing and talented brew team man you know rich has been with me since day one and i respect and value what he does and what he brings to the table uh, because essentially you know what you're drinking are, are the beers that we've talked about for years and but he's able to execute uh at a high level and that's what's important uh, for us and, and, and for our growth. Dude just crushes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. still involved in the in the recipe writing, too. Always. Like said, I right? mean, yeah. I, that's that's you know, something I'm committed to, a recipe formulation. How does that uh, happen? I mean, is that like I sit down and I write some recipes, or is it like something hits you and you write it down real quick? or like you I, it's Sometimes it is. See what sometimes you got, what materials you have on hand, and then work off of that. A lot of that, too. I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be somewhere, and I'll be like, oh, man, we have, you know, this sort of hop and you know i think it'll go great with Meyer lemon and, and i'll bank it i'll write it down and i have this little notebook and so i write down what i think and so when we have our our brew meetings me and rich and guys and i say hey what about this and just recently rich said he wants to do a fucking brown ale i'm like, like what, oh, what? <laughs> i'm like a brown ale. i'm like who's drinking a brown ale right now but i Everybody. i've done some research like in the last two months i'm like dude everyone's drinking a brown ale right now <laughs> And then I was rich. I'm like, dude, I'm like, yeah, I guess go ahead and breathe their brown in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go for it. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. But, yeah, I think, you know, we're going to do some of those classic styles. But I just, I really missed the experimental part of what we did in the beginning in, in 2013. I think we're going to go back to a little bit of that. Um, just keep having fun. All right, this is a corny question, but do you have any, like, favorites? Like, do you play favorites with your beer? I don't. You, you kind of like just. It's like if you did that, that was you know, just real special to you. I have you, forty that employees. Like, oh. That's like you can't you can't pay favorites to any any one thing. Um, no, um, I do. Hunter will always be my favorite. Yeah, just it's you know special beer for a you. Very special beer for me, and it'll always be my favorite. I don't care. Uh, you know, people can you can bat, you can bash that beer bad mouth or all you want, but who do the hell's fr- doing do, that? Do it in front of me. We're gonna we're gonna have, we're gonna have words. words. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite beer. I, that beer has evolved and it's fun. I love it, and um, you know, it'll always be one of my favorite beers. I love all the. I, I think I was drinking that on New Year's Eve or something. That's it was. It's such a great beer. I mean, it has like notes of cinnamon. And, uh, it's it's coffee for me. It's yeah. always coffee. I always get coffee in that beer. Yeah. Uh, and I just love coffees. Yeah, <laughs> I think I have every variant right now in my refrigerator, and 
we'll pull one out every now and then and drink it. So just uh, smile. Move, yeah. move the high life yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, maybe down one of those too. <laughs> yeah, maybe down one of those, like a little backer. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're about an hour and a half in. I mean, you got you got stuff to do, or you want to keep going? No, you man, I, I got I got shit to do. But yeah. um, no, look, no, man, we can, I, we can I cut it here. It. We can just. Yeah. Uh, it's it's Saturday. Usually, uh, I, I try to. Um, Try to get here early in the morning and do my walkthrough. Yeah. And then leave, you know, so. Yeah. Um, and no, you did your walkthrough with the podcast hostess. Yeah, That's I, did. No. I did. I <laughs> did. Uh, you got a great space here. I can't wait to get back out here again. Uh, I appreciate you kind of hosting me and taking me in and let me see everything and just sharing an hour and a half to talk to me about what you love to do and what you've built here. It's an incredible place, and I'm guessing I, I said that maybe 48 times during this podcast. So. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully one day we can do it again if you got something uh, coming up. Uh, maybe when the Sour Note and Distillery and everything is just ramped up, maybe sure. we can do it again. Absolutely. Now, do you have anything going on uh, in the near future here, like special events? I know I see like you guys do trivia, stuff like that. We do a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, too uh, much to, to remember. Yeah, I think right now we're in the planning stages for Barrel Massacre. Um, we're going to do that this year again. Um, hopefully we have some nice weather. Wait, um, what's that? What's um, so every year we released, um, we bring down some of our bourbon barrels, um, uh, either Hunter, uh, Imperial Blood, or uh, Bitches Bank. Um, so we're, it's it's a ticketed event. Uh, we'll get a bottle of beer and we'll ha- try to have all the variants of those those beers on. So live music, food. Um, so we're in the planning stages of getting that wrapped Sounds up. Sounds like a festival. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't call it a <laughs> festival. Kind of, but not, not quite. A, yeah. No, no. I get, that's. I don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to get into that. No. <laughs> Let somebody else do those. Yeah. I, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that's all I got for you, man. I'll let cool. you get back to work. And I again, thank you so much for sitting down and letting me try some of your beers and and talk about your beers and your place. So. Yeah. Cool. Drew awesome. Fox, 18th Street. Get out here to Hammond. Get out to. I mean, Gary's still full swing too, right? Yep, absolutely. Are they both seven days a week? Or you, you um, Gary is six days a week, and we're seven days a week here. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you guys are always up. You got great food, yeah. from what I hear. So gotta try it. Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm thinking about having lunch here now. Uh, I might join you. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. Thanks, Drew. I appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. And we're out. <laughs>